You're listening to the Tennis.com Podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hello, everyone. I'm back with the titans of Tennis.com here, Pete Bodo, Steve Tigner, I'm Ed McGrogan. We got them back for the podcast after a few weeks of travel for both of them, Indian Wells, Miami, uh, both of these two covering the globe for us here, spanning the globe. <laughs> spanning the globe from Miami to Indian yeah, Wells. exactly, spanning the coast. <laughs> Now, actually, in the in the chat session that we had yesterday on the website, the, Steve has made no secret that he would someday like to get to Monte Carlo. It is one of his <laughs> destinations that he has not been to. Now, Pete, I ask you, you've been pretty much everywhere. Is there any tournaments still that you have not gone to that you would want to go to? Or are there any sort of tennis venues of that uh, of that elk? Well, it's a good question. You know, uh, that's why I'm asking know. you. You know, I mean, yes, it, it's that like who who would not want to go to Bali in the winter? You know, uh, so you know, there's there are there are those things, but I, I guess there isn't a specific venue that I would uh, that I would I would really long to see. I've never been to South Africa, for instance, and they have a they have a good tennis tradition there and stuff. So that you know, it'd be kind of interesting to see just just the whole culture down there and stuff. But um, other than that, no, there is not a specific tournament. Monte Carlo, not my favorite tournament. Yes, but. it's also not. That's also yeah, you didn't not like it, right? Secret. You not didn't... much, no. Well, it's just it's it's like the ultimate international white trash place, basically. You know, it's all very Euro. It's you know Ferraris and Lamborghinis <laughs> and and a casino, right? And, and right. you know discos and stuff. It just isn't my thing. So, so let's talk about the Monte Carlo Masters. Right. There we go. <laughs> like a perfect time the tennis is my thing, though. I like tennis. Okay, I should write about tennis. Today's uh, today's uh, order of play concluded a couple hours ago. This tournament is a pretty good one for for just seeing what's happened. The the matches kind of end by about midday each day. Today we had Andy Murray beating Rack Stepanek. Not a result that would probably register on too many radars, but this is a match where Murray hasn't won a single match since the Australian Open where he reached the final. It's been a couple months now, bombed out of both of the hardcore events you guys went to. Hey, I got news for you. It registered on the ATP site. Did you see their headline? What is it? The ATP side is, you know, um, Murray's back. Big, big exclamation point. You know that he that, that <laughs> Murray's going to win broken, the French. So, yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, his and I mentioned Murray a little bit uh, because I was taking a look at his draw. Uh, this is the tournament without Djokovic, Soderling. Murray ends up getting the number three seed here. Actually, um, he's going to face Jill Simone next. If he wins that, he's going to probably get Galmon Fees. I'm not saying he's going to win the tournament by any means, but this is. Probably a pretty good opportunity for him to at least salvage some part of this year going forward. Well, it's not just it's not just the first match he's won. I think it's the first set he's won first since set. yes, since um, the Australian, Australian semifinals. Um, so that's not bad. He did look he did look good. Stepanek wasn't wasn't at his best and hasn't done much lately. But I thought Murray looked um, he's had at least come out of his funk that he was in in the last two tournaments where he didn't even seem to he didn't seem to give a full effort or have much confidence at all it seemed like he was he was at least putting that out there and you do feel like clay could be good for him in that it's a little there's not as much pressure on him in these tournaments to to do a whole lot maybe he can hit a lot of balls and and get some of his rhythm back i think i think simone's gonna be tough for him though you know i mean um you know uh, you look at i I, i'm not i'm not that worried about monfils but you know in in terms of you know this guy's just coming back too but i think simone is gonna be very tough Mm -hmm. for him simone's sort of a mirror image as well kind of yeah exactly very similar player runs runs a lot you know he could 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 wear him down but Mm -hmm. yeah i think he's got his work cut out but yeah it'd be nice to see him murray's got that 
I noticed he's got the disheveled look going again. I don't know if you saw. Yeah, he's got the full hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got all that going on. Uh, you wrote Pete yesterday about Murray that the clay season for him is one where he has a lot to lose, even though he's one of the players who doesn't didn't bank a lot of points last year. You think that his the importance of his play is just to generate some sort of momentum going into the bread and butter of his season back in England, where he's going to face even more of the scrutiny that he faces everywhere in the world. Can you just kind of chat about that just a little bit? Well, this guy's got to basically get his game together. I mean, he's got Wimbledon coming up in in a not-too-distant future. If he doesn't do well on clay, he goes into Wimbledon a a totally a harried, hunted man, basically. And, you know, if if he has a lousy Wimbledon... uh, you know, you could write off his whole year. No, nobody's going to care in, in, in the UK back, you know, back in Britain that, that, that he wins Cincinnati. I mean, he always wins Cincinnati, doesn't he? Uh, or or does well at the U.S. Open and, of course, on the Asian tour. So, no, I think he, he really needs to basically get his game back in order and needs to get some matches. Steve said hitting a lot of balls, you know, which he might do, which he's going to have to do on his surface. That's all probably going to be good for him to do that. Whether he's got the patience and the interest and the motivation to do that is what remains to be seen. But I think if he doesn't have a good clay court season, he's in big trouble for the grass tournaments. Clay, clay to me, I, I look at how it just seems like such a big part of the entire tennis calendar. Really. We talk about how hard courts, there's two distinct seasons. Clay, we have three Masters tournaments, seems to go on for quite a long time. So I think it's really important to, to almost any player. And like I think that's what you're talking about here with Murray as well. Um, Nadal, of course, has just made has made this his hunting ground for years and years. Um, I just kind of kind of want to get into the Nadal part of this tournament. Federer, those are the top two seeds, of course. Uh, for years, it's probably kind of a foregone conclusion these two are going to collide in the final here this year. Even without, like I said, Djokovic sotoing in this in this draw, uh, do you guys expect to see a Roger Rafa final? I haven't played. When was the last one they played here in 07? Maybe something like that. Um, it's it's been a little. Yeah, Federer made the final. He didn't play it one year. Um, right, that's correct. He didn't play it last year. And he lost to Vavrinka one year. Um, but um, wait, repeat that. He lost to Vavrinka. He lost to Vavrinka one year. <laughs> you can before, believe that. That was before Stan found religion, right? <laughs> religion, yeah. but not maybe after that they had a little talking to you. Um, Federer took a wild card into that to get beat by Vavrinka. Yeah, I think he I just remember. got married, but. Yeah. But um, I think Rolex told him, "Listen, <laughs> you better get in here and play." Well, I wouldn't have said that Federer was a lock to make the or even favored to make the final after after the Key Biscayne semifinal. But right. he did look good against Cole Schreiber, and he seems to be talking, saying all the right things. He wants to be number one. He wants to have a good clay season. He thinks it's crucial. His draw is not that bad. Um, you know, there's no Djokovic in his way. The highest seed on his side, Verdasco, is already lost. Um, so. I think it's possible. I mean, I don't think you can pick anybody but Nadal to make the final. He's, he's won it six straight years, and he looked just as good as ever today. Except, you know, we get lulled by this stuff. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking today, and I'm going to write basically a little bit about this. You know, it, all good things come to an end. It's a kind of a, you know, something we all know. And, you know, Nadal's three, even Nadal is talking a little bit like what well, this can't go on. I could never do what I did last year. It was historic. He so you could see he's playing he down his do chances, that, which is always never, you know, it's never a good thing when a guy is sort of not not building any excuses. He's far too good a player for that. But but when he's thinking, oh, man, when he realizes that what he's done has really been really special, and then it can't go on forever. And I think Federer's in a really good position here. You look at his record. What was that quote Andy Roddick had a couple of weeks ago? He said, you better be darn good at your job if you're going to criticize Federer for the way he's doing his. You know, you look at his record. He's getting, you know, finals and semis. He's losing to, like, Djokovic. He's got a title, which Nadal does not have this year, you know, in Dubai. You know, that 
that's not a huge thing, but it's something that might be in the back of their minds here when they go into the final there. It's a little like Rafa's, well, you know, I haven't really won since Tokyo. And, you know, Federer is going in there thinking, you know, this is, I, I could earn back a lot of my credibility, you know, if that's the right term for it, if, if I win this match. So you know, what if I got to lose? You know, I mean, the guy's number one. He's going to stay number one for, for quite a while, you know. So I, I kind of see potentially a real I, – I think this, this setup is – pretty pretty good for something shocking to ha- happen but of course the shocking thing happens once out of every 10 times so it's always the time you don't you but it's always the time you don't, you're not aware <laughs> but i'm starting to think nadal likes likes setting up his year this this way um last year this was the first tournament he won and then he barely lost again until after the u.s open he um i feel like he seems to build his season starting with clay and this is his this is the place where he makes his first statement so i i still want to still would would pick him to do that again. Yeah. I mean, he looked awfully good today against uh, Neiman and yeah, uh, you know, no question about it, but yeah, but it will be interesting to see. I, w- I would love to see them get to final again. It'll be like, it's just like old times, right? Nadal's going to get Gasquet next uh, tomorrow. Uh, he'll, if he wins that, he'll face either Lubacic, who, took, who takes out the eternally puzzling Joe Willie Sanga, and then either Thomas Burrich or Lubacic, one of those two. And then, Never know. It could be an Adal Murray um, semi, actually, but that's a couple matches down the road. Anything else you guys have seen from Monte Carlo the first couple days? I think Federer has to worry about Almagro there. Almagro's the tough little player. Federer has Chilich tomorrow, and and then Almagro. About that, I wouldn't be too concerned about that as a Federer fan. But Almagro, I think, is a pretty tough out. One one thing that I think of with Monte Carlo this time is it shows. How much Djokovic has has become such a big deal? This tournament seems a little less consequential without him. Just him pulling out, it almost gets the feeling like it's not as meaningful or a tournament, or won't tell you as much about. I was wondering that is it it, near future? Of course, another Nadal win seven in a row. You're not going to discount that anyway. But you're right. It's uh, the the next time we're possibly going to see a a Djokovic-Nadal collision would be in uh, Madrid comes before Rome this year, correct, in the news calendar. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Djokovic, is his absence, he'll be playing his home tournament, tournament that he literally owns in Serbia in a couple weeks, and and so we won't see that possibility for a couple weeks down the road. Um, That's all for today, and uh, we'll convene next time. Go Rangers. Go Bills. Don't mess up that draft pick in a couple weeks. (laughs) <laughs> but that's probably all wishful thinking as you guys know hopeless hopeless romantic any <laughs> yes <laughs> thanks for listening you've been enjoying tennis.com's weekly podcast thanks for listening for all the latest news and events head over to tennis.com 